0: is such a part of me and that I believe in with all my heart. And that is the subject of discipleship. Yes. Now, if you hear that word and you start drawing blanks or thinking, I know what is this discipleship thing. Me, I came for the art of prayer and intercession. It's okay. I promise you it's, it's actually going to impact your life and change your life. And bring light into your life. These guys are about to turn off this fan. It is usually for Pastor Angela. It doesn't work for me. Um, what do I want us to achieve at the end of today? Okay? I'd like to help you understand the strategy of discipleship. Why discipleship? Why is it so important to heaven, and to you as a child of God, as a believer. Why is it important Is it only for church planters? Is it for everybody? Why? I also would like to, today by the end of the teaching, to implant and fire up a desire for you to be discipled if you're not yet, and if you're already, to now get more excited about what you're a part of. But also, I want that by the end of, that, of our time together today, you will be determined to make disciples. You yourself. Those three things, if they happen today, we will have one. So, in 1998... In 1998, I joined secondary school. Some of you are not yet born, but I was joining senior one. In 1998, I was joining senior one in Buranyanji Girls Senior Secondary School. So... Here I am, a very young girl, never been to boarding school, absolutely scared. My uncle who took me to school, actually, what what he did is, when we got there, I changed my mind. And I told him, you're taking me back to Kampala. So, what he did is he knew that my sense of direction has problems. So he took me to the school canteen and told me to grab something for lunch. So that he goes to the administration block and withdraws my document. And then I should find him there and we go back home. But he knew that I would not find my way back to the administration block. So he left me at the canteen and then he ran away. He ran away and left me. And so I came from the canteen looking for him. And I wasn't alone. There were many crying senior ones. Little girls crying. I want to go back home. I want my mommy. (laughs) So I was crying. I was so distraught looking for my uncle everywhere. You know, the other students, some of them are laughing. Some of them are confused. They know what happens that week. It's like bringing kids to kindergarten. Week one, so much crying. So what happened though, interestingly, is a group of girls were then assigned to come to, I think, especially the most distraught students. And these were girls from the chapel, from the school chapel. So they came to you and told you, my name, the girl who came to me that day was called Sela. She came to me and told me her name was Sela Agaba Sela. And she said to me, I'm going to be your mother and helper for the next few weeks. I don't want you to be afraid. They made sure that that girl would be in the dormitory you've been assigned to. And then they start to take you to chapel. So you don't know anything and you're depending on someone to help you and Sela came along. And she started to walk with me, to take me. Now we had fellowship every single evening before prep. After dinner before prep, you ate your dinner quickly. You had about 30 minutes of chapel time where there was some praise and worship. A student preached a sermon, encouraged you, you prayed and went for preps in the evening. Every single day. And then on Saturday we had a long fellowship. And then on Sunday, of course, we had chapel. And in the evening on Sunday we had another fellowship. So every single day we were in chapel. And I had, I had been a young girl who had grown up in a very religious home, Christian, really. Um, but my faith was really the faith of my grandfather. You you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, where you grew up in a home and you read the Bible in the morning and in the evening, around, you know, you pray before you go to bed with your grandparents or your aunties and uncles or your parents, wherever you were raised. And so it's part of, it's what you do. It's like, yeah, like how you say prayer before lunch. And so it's part of what you do. It's what what you know. But not necessarily that I have a personal relay. And you've got born again. I was... I had confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I wouldn't say that I had a personal faith that I would even share with someone. No, it was, I thought everyone was like that. So if you were not like that, you are weird, and I would hope that one day someone will help you. So now Sela introduces me to the fellowship, ETC, but then beyond Sela comes a young woman called Evangeline, atukunda, who is now leading the mission in Worship Harvest in the UK. And Evangeline really started to disciple me i don't think she knew that she was discipling me but she was because we're going to talk about what discipleship is now what happened is that i did not have a personal faith until i was discipled because evangeline started to teach me to read my bible every day i had this big old white bible that even had extra books of the bible yeah And so I started learning how to read the Bible on my own. And she told me that you read it and understand and see how to apply in your day-to-day life. Memorizing scripture also began for me. And the faith that I had was now no longer the faith of my grandparents. It was my faith. Because you see, in secondary school, my grandfather wasn't there to make me read my Bible in the morning and in the evening and gather us, all the grandkids, and make us read. It was now time for me to learn on my own. As, and then, you know, of course, I started to follow this girl around because she was a little bit older, and so we depended on her. She was a worship leader, a little bit, yeah, just a little bit older. And then she was in the, she was really one of the worship leaders in the fellowship, and very brilliant, very, you know, a girl, a woman, a girl who you looked up to, you want to be like her. So I found that my faith was formed around this young woman. Everything she did, I did. Because she excelled in school, I understood that as a Christian, I had to excel in school. One of the scriptures we actually memorized was the one Apostle shared earlier, which is Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so we memorized that because they told us that as Christians, we had to be the light even in our education. So I was always among the top students because Evangeline, guess what, was always among the top students. Spoke well, carried themselves well. They were clean. You know, for me, that's what I knew that a Christian is supposed to be this picture of Jesus. But guess what happened? Because Evangeline was a worship leader, guess what I became? A worship leader! Yes, because that's a that is what discipleship is. Is that you pattern your life after the one that you're following? Without even it was, it's not that like she asked me to be, no. And it was a group of us, a group of girls. She would make us meet, would meet her, or I think almost every once a week on Saturday. We had a rhythm. And so we'd meet in chapel, we'd go through scripture. She'd ask us where I was struggling. Then she would teach us songs from Colby's Clubhouse. (laughs) If you don't know what that is, don't worry. But we learned songs from Colby's Clubhouse. It was a program on LTV for teenagers. And so she taught us that music. Evangeline and her friends, a group of girls who we admired in chapel, had a music group called FOC. I won't tell you in full. Yeah, go find out. FOC. Guess what our music group became called, the one she discipled? BOC. Come on, please. Hey, we just changed the B, the art of following. But what quickly happened for us is that we started to do the same for other girls in school and we didn't know it was discipleship but i can tell you that that formed my character my christianity how i thought about life my view of what kind of person i had to be she was a very strict person i became a very strict person it's that she was literally raising daughters but it gave me a place of accountability and my faith was formed but there i was invited in now when in when i went to university in 2004 I walk into the chapel because, guys, eh? 2004 I walk into chapel and we had been bombarded the whole week with all sorts of mission groups, groups of what, people trying to invite you into fellowships and I was determined that I'm not going to join anything I don't know. I was not. I was like, "Mm -mm, I'm going to find the chapel of this university and be committed to the chapel. So I I asked about chapel fellowship. They told me Sunday evening. I went on time. I arrived. And there's this worship group singing. And guess who is on stage in the worship group? Evangeline. I looked at her and I knew, that's other people I'm joining. I don't need to know what they do. If she's in, I'm safe. Do you see the power of discipleship? This group was Worship Harvest Ministries. They were a singing group. So I joined them. Of course, they, the way they sang was scary to me, but I was like, wow, learn. So we joined. And guess what? I'd also started writing music because Evangeline used to write original songs. So we, I wrote songs because she wrote songs, not because I was convinced that in my lineage there was no one who had ever written a song and there were no musicians. But me, I had now found another lineage through discipleship. So I joined them we, they were, they, what I really look at now when I look back, I invited myself because they said, if you'd like to join us, we meet every Tuesday for officers' mess, I think at 6 p.m. So I came at 5 and waited. People came on time. The culture there, they were on time. This thing didn't start recently. And they were like, if you came late, you paid a fine, and they were sure you, this is one minute late. People are coming in panicking. I'm so sorry. What? <laughs> I'm sitting there, but Evangeline hasn't come, but people are around. So they asked me to introduce myself. I introduced myself. They changed my name on day one. I told them what my name was, and some random girl there decided that I would not be called Beatrice because there was already a Beatrice who they called B2, and so I was now B3. Now you know the mystery of my name. So from that day, I became B3. But this group was going to shape my life for the rest of my life. But it began because a person who had discipled me for a few years, about two or three years in secondary school, had become a pillar for me. And so seeing her meant I saw direction. And coming in, now God was connecting me to another discipler who would really, I believe, become the discipler for my life. And that's Apostle Mose. So I walk in, he's the leader of the group. I invited myself in. This place quickly, let me tell you, it saved me at university. Because I could have joined I don't know what. But coming in there, I found a place of accountability. Because we met every week. And these people were honest. They were transparent. These values you hear are not values they picked from the sky. These are values which they said, who are we really? This is who we are, we are loving. We are. Uh, excellence is very important to us we are generous, we are very involving, you know why, I joined them a few weeks before they had their concert of the air in October because I joined the end of August and I was on stage in October singing with a microphone, that's involvement and then transparency everything was on the table, people discussed things, I was so confused, I was used to a certain you know, hiding things I'm like, these people are strange but I like them it became a place of accountability it became a place of cover for me as a young girl at the university I didn't have anyone to run to, the the, the young men in there became like big brothers to me at that time I remember Timothy Sebalamu who became a real brother, Timothy Sebalamu's car used to be the one we used to go with to visit my brother on visitation day it was also the ministry car it's the car that also at some point delivered food to our home when we needed food it's also, I remember that same missional community. Worship Harvest was a missional community. At one point, we were behind on rent, and they paid our rent. My siblings and I. Worship Harvest entered my family they became a part of the family they were the only people who my sister my big sister who was like my mom would allow me to hang out with till late because she knew we were on mission and they'd bring me back at 1 a.m. sometimes we'll be out on mission come back late it became a place of protection for me they protected me they looked out for me it became my real family and community and in worship harvest ministries i also found a spouse Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the cool guy with the Mac stuff, you know, who used to walk in. And Apostle Mose put us on a project together. That project was called This Week at Worship Harvest. The rest is his story. When I think about Worship Harvest, Shepardorial linkages. Apostle Mose, Shepherd, he put us together. Yeah. He linked us as a good shepherd. And the story became what it is. What is your discipleship story? Who has walked with you? Do you have one? If you don't, you can start one today. Do you have one? You see, in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus... When he's about to go back to heaven and he's leaving the mission of heaven in the hands of men, the Bible says that And Jesus came and spoke to them, this is his 12 disciples whom he named apostles, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's already a statement of fact. I have all the authority. Why? Jesus came to take back what Adam handed over. He had to come as a man to take back what man had handed over legally. So he came as a second and last Adam, took back the authority that had been given to Adam and restored to us the mandate that we had handed over. The original mandate which was be fruitful, multiply, subdue, fill the earth and have dominion. So Jesus says, I've taken back the thing that had been given away and I'm handing it back to you. He says, all authority has been given me in heaven and on earth then he says something interesting that based on this authority which i'm giving to you go go the first thing is to go let me tell you church one of our biggest challenges is that we we are a staying church we want to settle we like that have you thought that coward i'm settled here are those things are unsettling. Evangelism is unsettling. Discipleship is unsettling. Yeah, you're not supposed to be settled. If it is settling, it is not of God. Because he says, the authority I've given you starts to be activated when you go. Yeah. Go, therefore. Those young girls in secondary school were on mission. They saw opportunities. Senior one students lost, not knowing where to go. What do we do? Let's go to them. Let's go to them and walk with them. And what they did not know is that they raised so many of us. Right now, I know so many young women who are in that time with me, who are either pastors, key worship leaders, just serving in the ministry, big time, disciple makers as well. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples of all the nations. The scope is all the nations. But what are we doing in the nations? Making disciples. This is Jesus' last mandate. He's saying basically what brought me, I have now accomplished. I came to give you the key to be able to reach the whole world. And what is the method? Making disciples. What is the scope? All the nations. And then he shows us how, and we're going to get into it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. Until the end of the age. You know when you look at that scripture. Here is the truth. Discipleship is God's way of multiplying his mission. Basically. Basically the way God has chosen to multiply his mission. Is through discipleship. That's it. But most of us are in church. But not part of discipleship. We've, we've changed the mission. We've given God a new mission. That the mission is now settling and staying together, but not being discipled. And I'm going to show you the strategy of hell. Because we need to catch the devil. You see, discipleship turns ordinary converts. That's what I was. I was an ordinary convert. Yes, I was born again. I didn't have a faith of my own that was strong. But I could have become a good Bible-going... I'm not Bible-going, a good church-going Christian who went to, God, went to church on Sunday, gave my tithe, um, gave an offering, supported where I can, Uh, gave to missions department, um, stayed married and faithful, had children, um, eventually died and gone to heaven. And that's the story of many Christians. Do you know what turned me into another woman? Who now, I have some disciples and I am making more disciples who are making disciples and my life will have true significance with real fruit that lasts there is more to your life than just going to church on Sunday there is more to your life than sitting in church and becoming a consumer that's not God's vision for you he did not create you to sit around consume information be fed and just be passive and sit there the enemy has convinced you that you are small you are not There are seeds of greatness on the inside of you, but you see your greatness is measured by those that you reach and disciple and turn around. Let me tell you, friends, discipleship is the opportunity for significance, eternal significance. Discipleship is the key that turns ordinary converts like you and I, how we are or how we were, into committed, passionate sons and daughters of God who own the mission and propagate it everywhere they go. Discipleship will turn ordinary converts. Maybe you feel like you're an ordinary convert. You don't know how to quote much scripture. That's okay. It will turn ordinary converts into, if you commit yourself to be discipled and to make disciples, you will turn into a committed, passionate son and daughter of the living God who is on mission, no matter where you are, whether it's at your workplace, wherever you go to do a, pursue a master's degree, you understand that I'm not here for a master's. No. I'm here, this is the undercover thing, but I'm here to raise sons and daughters for the kingdom of God. Because that's the only thing that will make it to heaven. People. Eternal significance. That when you're doing business, you understand that as a businessman, the people I'm I'm employing here, they're not just employees. No, I'm here to raise sons and daughters on mission for God. That when people walk into your home to work there as your house managers, you turn them around from just house managers to sons and daughters of the living God on mission for God. Everything changes because discipleship gives you an opportunity to be church anywhere you are. You don't need to quit what you're doing. No, 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 no. You don't need to quit what you're doing. You can disciple where you are right now and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what discipleship is not. Discipleship is not about friendship. Some of you, that's, you you're scared. Of your discipleship, you want only your friends. I don't know that people. Yeah, did Evangeline know me? Did Seller know me? Did Apostle Moses know me? They did not know me. But you see, what unites us is the mission of God. That was it. Why did I feel connected instantly? I went instantly to these people because I connected to the mission of God through them discipleship connects us to the mission of God. It's it's not about friendship. So don't worry about, I don't feel connected. You are connected through the bloodline of Jesus Christ. It flows in your veins for every believer. So when you find a bunch of believers, if you threw me in, I don't know, Khartoum, I just need to find some people who believe in Jesus. Connect with them and then we go out on mission and propagate some more. You can start anywhere where there's a family of believers and where there isn't, you can create one. Through discipleship. So it is not about friendship. It's about the mission of God rescuing, raising, and sending sons and daughters. Discipleship is not a class you graduate. Some of us say, I finished my discipleship class. No, it's not a class you graduate. It is a way of life. Discipleship is not a meeting you attend. It's not. You can actually be part of a mission or community and you're not being discipled. Yes, you attend the meeting, but you're not under any authority. You come by convenience, you do what you want to do. You're going, we're going to look at it. What is this discipleship thing? It's not a meeting you attend. It's a way of life. Discipleship is where we learn kingdom culture, where we have accountability, where we have stability, and where we are sent to multiply. So the first question is, why should you and I be discipled and make disciples? The first reason is that discipleship is God's idea of family. It's God's idea of family. (laughs) I don't know about you. Maybe sometimes it's an advantage to be orphaned. Sometimes I think about it, I'm like, maybe, I don't know. But then I also know people who are not orphaned and they understand this. Friends, do you know that through discipleship, you find a family that is stronger wider, deeper than your natural family? Do you know that through discipleship you, can, you will find a family that gives your life more meaning than your natural family? Jesus turns to some people who are telling him your mother and your brothers are calling you and he says, no, my mother and my brothers are those that are doing the work of discipleship. That's my family. Because you see, through discipleship, I am connected to a family wider than my limited natural family. Beyond our limitations, beyond what we have and don't have, beyond our resources or the lack of them, discipleship connects me right now internationally. Through discipleship. Yes, I have homes across the world through the family of believers that I'm a part of, through discipleship. Remember, I've told you, you do not have to become a church pew warming Christian who goes to church out of convenience when it's not raining on Sunday, gives your tithe or offertory, does what is convenient. There is more. And God is inviting you into that more through discipleship. Discipleship is God's idea of family because what makes you belong to a family? You're either born into it, born again, you're adopted into it, and family is where you are taught culture, not so, uh, natural families. Families where they teach you culture, they teach you mannerisms, they teach you how to socialize, they teach you how to work, they teach you about relationships, managing your emotions, and generally, family is where you're taught how to succeed in life. It is! So if you are a born-again Christian who does not have a small family... Guess what? You can't be taught the culture of heaven. You can't be taught socialization, mannerisms, uh, how to succeed, economics, managing your emotions. Basically, you are just being parented by the wind. You can be part of a church and you are not in a family. discipleship gives you that chance, that opportunity. Because you see, what is the core role of parenting in a home? Because discipleship is where you get parented in, 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 in the spiritual family. Remember, the spiritual family is the family that will last in eternity. That's why there is no marriage in heaven, and marriage is what creates families on the earth. God has given us a father in heaven. We have, all of us have a heavenly father from whom every name, every family gets their meaning. You are part of the family of God, but have you allowed to align yourself into a family, in the spiritual family, where you get your heritage and you can be raised as a real son and daughter? Because guys, look, if you go to church every Sunday, there's just someone whose head you always see at the back. No one is following you up. No one knows if your relationships are working or not. If you have food at your home or not. If you're sleeping poor you shouldn't be sleeping or not. If you have children and they're okay or not. If you're treating your spouse well or not. You are just a, a, a... I don't know. What are you? Like a street kid. In the family. Because where do you belong? Where are you accountable? Where are your roots? Who is responsible for you in the family of God? You see, after evangelism in the the first church, in the book of Acts, the next thing is they got into community immediately. They got into community. After they got born again, they got into community and none lacked. They lived together. They grew together. They multiplied. They got into community immediately. But many of us are used to a way of church that is not of God. Where you just, Where you're you're on the sidelines, no one knows you, you're hiding, you know. So you find that you're struggling with so many things and you're not growing. Why? You're not in a family. How can I give birth to a child and hope they grow? Without family. Family is where we get our identity. The core role of parenting, you and I know, is teaching. Every parent is a teacher. And they don't teach you for suggestion. They even look at you and say, what did I say? You remember, you don't do it out of, right now we teach our children, they are washing their clothes, making their, they don't do it because they like it. They don't do it because they love it. They don't look forward to Saturday morning because it's for washing clothes. But one day they are going to look back and know that we're not just teaching them to wash clothes, you're teaching them to work. You're teaching them to be responsible. You're teaching them to do the stuff that they don't feel like doing that is right to do when they're at a workplace. They'll be a different person. In a the, in the home is where you're trained to become a person who is, is part of a culture, teaching for obedience, for success in the world. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that you should go. All over the Proverbs, my son hid my instructions. The core role of parenting is teaching, instructing, raising. Guess what the core role of discipleship is? like parenting, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. Teaching them, why? That they might succeed. In the place of discipleship, you're taught, may I tell you guys, for me, I look at my life and I'm like, had I not been discipled, where would I be? I had so many issues. Your life doesn't have to end where it started. You don't have to tie yourself to where you came from. Listen to me, friends, there is hope through discipleship. If you can be willing to place yourself under spiritual authority and be raised as a son and a daughter, I'll tell you, our marriage right now, Jeremy and I, is the way it is because of discipleship. We are accountable somewhere. They ask us real questions about our marriage, people. Real. And you can't be like, it's personal. You see, if everything is personal, you're not being discipled. When I go to my daughter and I ask her what is in her bag in the bedroom, she can't tell me it's personal. No, please. But if another stranger comes to her, she'll say it's personal and she's right. But not me. I have authority over her. Who has authority over you? Where you can't say it's personal? Who can ask you if you're saving, investing, living well, living with someone you shouldn't be living with? Who can ask you those questions? If you're in debt, if all is well with you. Discipleship is for you to help you succeed in life and then become a powerful light. Your light shines before men to become a giver, to become someone who then also goes and raises others because let me tell you, the people who have been parented well, parent well, with ease. But if you've not been parented, you, it's hard work. And many of us are out there without cover. An undiscipled Christian is like an unparented child. An unparented Christian is like... an. I want you to... Imagine, what are the characteristics of an unparented child? There are some people here from the worship team in studio. Give me... A, what are some of the exa- things you... Characteristics? Hmm? They, they susu on the road? Hmm, very bad. They chew like this. Mwah, 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 like that. No one taught them. They have no boundaries. They have no emotional intelligence. Have you met someone and been like... Was this one parented? They are not anchored inside. They are insecure. They are easily shaken. They are volatile. They, 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 they want acceptance so badly. That's how I was. <laughs> that orphan spirit dies through the place of discipleship. Because you learn by staying in. in you see, I've, I've known Apostle Moses since 2004. We are young. We are young. <laughs> That man has disciples. Do you think there's something right now maybe, are there things you think he may not know? That's a very good hiding skills. 2004, you think you can, I can't pretend anymore. I can't hide. They catch you even when others can't catch you. You know how a parent knows a child? He knows my limitations, but then he also has become that person who lifts me up and can rebuke me like this about anything. And I'm okay. But there was a time when he would rebuke me, I would hide. I disappear. Now he's going to chuck me because that's what I was used to. I didn't know that that, that discipleship relationships are like parenting. When I rebuke my child, it's not because I'm going to chuck her from the family. Every time she does something bad, I'm like, use the potty badly. Go to the neighbors. You're no longer a child here. It's it's my role as a parent to fix the child. But the child has to stay for me to be able to help them. Some of you, you're a roving disciple. You move. Every time they, they, they correct you, you go to a new MC. You change districts. When will you ever be parented? You have to stay long enough. Church hoping. Yeah, church hopping. Some of you you not even you you are in fact right now you belong to four churches. You're watching. Depending on where the someone is working. You're looking for something. Where they've no long, not found out the thing, maybe you have a date in this church, you move to a new one. They have an ex-boyfriend there, you never no move to a new one. Until when? There are people here, we know them, we know who they dated and almost married. We know who they then did not marry. We know who they eventually married. It's part of the story and those are the things that make us real brothers and sisters. You laugh together, you cry together, you, know, you must stay to be able to go deep and flourish. Jesus did not keep changing disciples. There were strange people that he walked with, but they stuck around. When they were choosing a person to replace Judas, go read Acts 1. They said, we must choose one who has walked with us since the days of John's baptism. They looked for the ones who had been around for three years. Matthias came on the top. You don't know his name, but it's known in heaven. That was the criteria. The ones who have walked with us. An undiscipled Christian is like an unparented child. They fend for themselves. They are alone. They are in a family, but they are alone. No one knows. You find out the person went through I don't know what, but no one knows. And somehow we are supposed to guess. Get connected to his family. When you lose a loved one, they are there for you. If you are struggling with food, we shall feed you. But if we don't know you, you are just a member, a roving member. You cannot grow. Heaven wants more for you. Guys, there is so much in Christianity. But we are missing out because we are not planted. They give themselves direction. No one directs them. They are in charge of their course of life. They have no covering. They have no inheritance. They have an orphan spirit. And they will find it very difficult to succeed in the Christian life. That's an undiscipled Christian god through his wisdom uses discipleship as an opportunity for us to have a real family where we are raised the second and last one i'll tell you is that the second reason why you should be discipled or disciple others because some of you you need to disciple you've been discipled it's your turn now raise sons and daughters it is heaven's strategy for multiplication let me tell you guys ask you a question how does the human race stay increasing Is it because we are so strong we have stayed increasing? What is it? It's reproduction. It's because we are reproducing children. My mother gave birth to me. It became my turn to give birth. Eventually it will be my children's turn to give birth. Eventually it will be their children's turn to give birth. That's how humanity continues. How do you stop humanity from increasing? If you want, without killing everyone in the world, how would you stop humanity? just make everyone sterile. Stop them from reproducing. Let me tell you the strategy of hell. You see, the devil, um, he doesn't have to, to kill you. What he will do to you is that he will make you settle to become a church-going Christian. Okay? Who does not reproduce? Yes. Yes. The strategy of hell is simply to make sure that you don't reproduce. Because the question is, are you a sterile Christian? Are you a sterile Christian? A consumer? You see, it's not bad. You just you look like you're succeeding as a person. Like if, if we stopped, all of us stopped reproducing. For a while, it would look like everything is okay. Actually, there are no babies disturbing us anymore. You know babies can be messy. Diapers, what expenses, take them to school. Eh? We look happy. We enjoy our lives. Hey, high temperature. You don't know that baby is crying. You don't know what's paining. You have to understand their language. Some of you, that's how your disciples feel right now. Baby is making a mess all the time. You're taking them out of prison. I tell now they did what with whose wife. Now the other one, you're like, Let me tell you, I have a 10-year-old who's making 11. I still, she's watching. I still am asking her the same questions I've asked her since she was 2 you say thank you what do you i was like when do you stop saying this when do you stop asking them what do you say maybe when they marry who knows or even never but you see this that's the thing about discipleship is there's a commitment are you a sterile christian are you reproducing are you a participant it's not complicated you don't need a phd (laughs) you don't what do you need to be to, to produce children do you find that it's a, the government finds out your, your levels of savings to allow you to have children anyone in this country whose systems are working can have a baby so, yeah. so it is the mandate of every child of God moreover spiritually you can reproduce like crazy David you don't need nine months you can reproduce every hour every 10 minutes. You go, you bring them to Christ, you raise them, you walk with them, you make them reproducers. They also go, they reproduce like that, like that. It's quick. That's why in our lifetime, we can see the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ if we all participated in discipleship. We can. Apostle Moses has done the math. I'm sure he's going to come in the next few weeks and show you that mathematics. But today, I'm here to just eh, fire you up. The enemy will allow you to go to church. He will allow you to give your tithe. He will allow you to even contribute to mission. But when you dare to make disciples, he will fight you. Why? Because then you're reproducing. And you're a threat. You will have every excuse why you can't start a mission or community. You can't join one and be committed. But you'll be happy to be part of church programs. You know why? The enemy knows you are a threat. So friends, how do we then respond? In 2 Timothy 2:2, the Bible says, "And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also." I want us to stick with that scripture for a while. First of all, the things you have heard the first step towards discipleship, which we see Jesus doing in the book of Mark chapter 3 verse 13. The Bible says that Jesus went on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted and they came to him. There is an invitation and a response. We invite you every week. Join a mission or community. Join a missional community. Will you please respond? What do we gain when you join a missional community? Nothing. But heaven gains and you gain. You have covering, you have family, you're able to grow, you're able to multiply, you have a real, real family in the the sense of the word, a spiritual family. And then he appointed 12 that they might first of all be with him and he may send them out to preach ETC. The first part of discipleship is there's an invitation and a response. The things you've heard from me. What are you, who are you, whose ear, who has your ear? Whose authority are you under? And you look, it doesn't matter what age you are, you need a parent. Because you need a parent. you need cover. We are part of a family until we die. We don't graduate family. At the age of six, we no longer need family. We always need family. You never graduate family. There's an invitation and a response. Jesus has invited through us, worship harvest, I'm speaking to you. They are missional communities you're a part of. Why aren't you connected to one? What's your reason? You see, unless you're in family, you remain sterile as a Christian because for you to have authority over others, you must be under authority. The things you've heard from me among many witnesses, the first part is that the things you've heard from me, that discipleship begins with an invitation to belong and a response to belong. There's a commitment to stay. The second part is among many witnesses, Discipleship happens in community. Not one-on-one. Jesus didn't have one-on-ones. And maybe the man who came in the night to call him Lord, but that wasn't one of his disciples. He discipled them in 12, 3, 70, and then hundreds. You see, when you're in community, you learn so much from your siblings. Your parents don't have to teach you everything. They even things they warn you about You do it in this family, you're dead. They correct one another. Discipleship happens in community. So stop being alone in the church. It happens in community. And then the end of discipleship is that you're not just there to be loved and cared for. It also becomes your turn to commit those things to faithful men who teach others also. You become a discipler when you reproduce through those that reproduce. You invite them in, you have relationship and stick with them, and eventually you send them to do the same for others. That's how we continue to multiply, that's how we have a life of significance. That's why that's how the church of Jesus Christ continues on without failing. Discipleship leads to great joy, great increase great growth. It leads to your centeredness as a believer. And let me tell you something. Every time you choose not to make disciples or not to be discipled, you choose to stop the mission of God. It's the truth because you guys told me that how do we stop the human race from reproducing? Make everyone sterile. How do you stop the church of Jesus Christ from reproducing? Make every believer sterile. How? They will not reproduce because you only reproduce through discipleship. You pattern your life after a man who is following Jesus Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ, Paul said to the people in Corinth. Then he said, I've sent you Timothy, who is exactly like me. Pattern your life after him. Jesus said to us, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I only do what he does. You see, that was Jesus' Father. He wasn't referring to him as a heavenly Father. That was his Father. You, who are you following? Who is fathering you? Who is mothering you? Who are you fathering and mothering? Because the end is not just you being in a family. The point of being in a family is to be equipped to go and start a family of your own. And then equip those to also go and start a family of their own. And let me tell you that kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. Today I'm here to ask you to get on mission with God. First, be discipled, get under authority. My life completely changed. If you had met me 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was a mess. I could, you guys, a mess. Until God gave me a disciple. And we had a messy relationship. Parenting is messy, it's not cute. You have to have difficult conversations. You have, but you don't give up on your kids. You don't say, uh-uh, this one, eh? mm-hmm. let me go and borrow another child. And some of us have reached that point. We wanted to quit my all my disciples, pick up new ones. Quit these ones. You can't. It doesn't work. The longer you stay, the more grounded they become. Yeah, pastors, don't quit your disciples. Jesus stuck with them. One betrayed him. One didn't believe him. They don't have to be perfect. Children are not perfect, but they belong to a family. If God places his mission in the hands of men, we must place his mission in the hands of men. Some of you missional leaders, you need to release people to go and start missional communities. As I end, what are you going to do? First of all, join a missional community and place yourself under authority so you can be raised and sent. Join a missional community. If you're not part of one, Worship Harvest, listen. Come on, let's do this thing. Secondly, start a missional community or a hard Be part of the mission of God of raising sons and daughters. You don't need a degree. You just, the things you hear, you commit to faithful men. You just be under disciple. If someone is discipling you, whatever they tell you, you tell the other ones. You keep teaching what you're taught. That's what we do when we parent. You give birth to a child and you teach what you've been taught. So do not be passive. Be a participant today. And have real fruit that lasts. Because the only eternal investment is that we make Is the one we're making people for the gospel. What is Jesus saying to you today? And what are you going to do about it? Today, you have heard. Now, if you take action, this word will work in your life. I just sense that God is calling us deeper today. He's calling us to commit where we are, place ourselves under authority, and see great growth in our lives. And have a chance at raising sons and daughters as well. Who will raise sons and daughters and on and on it goes. And will be part of a real family. A real family. And our Christianity will be fruitful. And will have light in our lives.
1: Wow. Thank you Jesus. Thank you so much Pastor B3 for that powerful word. If you have never understood discipleship I think you have understood it today. And God is calling us into his mission. And you know what? It can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Because you and I, we could be friends forever, and your life wouldn't change if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, because I can't change your life. I can only invite you into relationship with him who changes lives, and then watch what God does. Amen. Awesome. There are friends who are watching us and you've never given your life to Jesus. This is the time. That's part of the discipleship journey because the Holy Spirit can't change your life if you have not given your life to Jesus. The Bible says that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to invite you wherever you are, in that car, in that home, even if you're gathered with people. I want to take a step of faith and just put your right hand up wherever you are right now. Right now, yes. You, 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 yes. I'm going to count down from 10. If you haven't yet, put your hand up, 10. Put your hand up, nine, eight. Today is the day of salvation, seven, six. Who knows? Don't make assumptions, five, four. Yes, if your hand is not yet up and you haven't given your life to Jesus, you should be doing that now. Four, three, two, one, and zero. Thank you for those hands wherever you are at home, in whatever space you are, wherever you're watching from. Maybe you're watching in a restaurant on TV or you're listening on radio in a car. Thank you for that hand. Father, we thank you. I thank you for this... Friends whose hands are up right now, wherever they are, I thank you that they've crossed from death to life. Now pray this prayer. It's a short prayer of faith. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. I give my life to you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. That I may walk this journey with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, we believe that you've given your life to Jesus and your life is changed eternally. There's a number on your screen or if you're on radio, the number is 0775-642-449. 0775-642-449. 642 449 That's the number. Send us a message. Give us a call. There's a pastor on the other side of that number ready to pray with you ready to walk the journey with you. If, and some of you right now, your repentance is joining a mission or community. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're in worship harvest. And you should still call that number. Actually, text. Because if everyone starts calling, the number will be overwhelmed. Text that number. Tell us where you stay so that we can help you join a family, a, 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 a mission or community. Right now, there are more than 10,000 people in missional communities in worship harvest. Yeah, more than 10,000. So you're joining a big family. A big, strong family that will be able to walk with you this journey of life. So if you haven't joined a missional community, that's the number. Text, text, text. Tell us where you're from, which area you live. Leave us your phone number and we'll get back to you and get you joining a missional community. Amen. 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 We've been telling you that there is a mighty move of the Spirit that's happening right now, and we believe it. I know it's happening. So I just want us, as we close this service, to worship together and just invite, not that He's not with us, but make welcome the Holy Spirit to do the things that only He can do. Amen.